You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. God's doing here at Gateway. You know, as much as Pastor Ben has been able to lean in and, and, and hear and, and help guide the decisions that we're making at Heartland Church in Ovid, and of all, all you're wondering, like, oh, that sounds a little bit like COVID. Let me tell you something about Heartland Church, okay? All right, so we live in Owasso, which is between Corona and Ovid. And so living in the middle between Corona, which sounds a little bit too close to Corona, and Ovid, let me tell you, like, tensions were pretty high during the pandemic. And so we have emerged out of that better, stronger. And, uh, and I'll tell you, we went, uh, so uh, as Pastor Ben had mentioned, we, um, Melissa and I had uh, worked for several years. I, I worked and traveled for a company called Covenant Eyes Internet Accountability. Its headquarters is in Owasso, Michigan, uh, servicing about a half million people in the area of online accountability. Online accountability simply helps uh, bridge the gap between technology and relationships. And so it's just a phenomenal tool to help people stay accountable in a very uh, otherwise dark area of life right now. And so grateful for that experience, grateful for the opportunity uh, that that provided. But Melissa and I, when we stepped away from that, it was literally three months and then the pandemic hit. So moved to full-time ministry, pandemic hit, and we're like, what have we signed up for here? Let me tell you, God was faithful and he got us through that season. And uh, again, it's just been so exciting to see the growth that's happened here at Gateway, to see the beautiful facility. I was able to speak Years ago, at, at your uh, other location on Ponta Luna, uh, Pastor Ben invited me to come, and we tag-teamed on holiness. We preached about holiness, and uh, that was an awesome experience, and love what you guys are doing with CityServe. How many heroes do we have in the house? Oh, come on, hundreds. I want, I want more. I want to see more. So the story behind how I, how I wound up here this morning is I was explaining, well, one thing was we had, uh, we have uh, our church, Heartland, has actually gotten on board with CityServe as well. So we are a pod in the middle of Michigan, and we're super excited. I know. Come on. And uh, we're excited to see the opportunities that are going to come forth from that. But we had planned a trip today to celebrate Winston's birthday uh, because we're having, we have a group that's going to be onboarding in Grand Rapids tomorrow at 9 o'clock. So we have about a dozen people that are going to be showing up to, help, to onboard with that. We're going to be taking our first load back. we got a pod, like a real pod. Literally, it's called the pod uh, kind of cool. Um, so we're going to be doing that. And so just as, as the Lord was kind of ordering our steps through this, uh, Pastor Ben invited me to come and, and share on this subject. And I, and I felt like, you know, I just felt green lights, go, let's do this. And so super excited about today and excited to contribute in some small way to the growth and, and, and vitality here at Gateway. And so, uh, as we're talking about dreams to destiny, from dreams to destiny is a series that, that y'all are going through. And, um, and so you can't talk about dreams without obviously uh, referring to our own personal experiences with dreams, right? So as you think about dreams, dreams in your own life, uh, dreams are a, like a huge part of our life. In fact, not many people know this, but you will have approximately 100,000 dreams in your life. Can you believe that? You'll only remember 10% of them. You will spend approximately 25 years sleeping, depending on how many kids you have, of course. And of those 25 years, you will spend six of those years dreaming. Six years dreaming. Now, the question that, we, that I had was, what is everybody dreaming about? 
Now, I have a hard time remembering my dreams, but the ones that I do remember, I'm like, that was weird. And so you tell me if some of these might resonate with you. So I went through a list. Obviously, when you're curious about something, you Google it out. So I did that. And uh, so number 10 on this list, and there were several of them, but I'll get to the kind of top, uh, top two, top three here, which I think resonate with us all. Number 10, death. Yeah, I'm just going to get that one out. Dreaming about dying, okay? Uh, number nine, famous people. And people that you might want to meet, I, you know, this, you know, show, my brother used to tell me about how Val Kilmer used to show up in his dreams. So was, like he wanted to be, we got goose here. We just needed ice man. And i uh, just, my man. <laughs> falling, number eight, falling, dreaming that you're falling. It's like, oh, you wake up, you hit your bed. Like I was actually falling. That was a really weird simulation. Uh, being naked in public. Number six, can't find a toilet. Number five, driving. Number four, teeth falling out. Number three, flying. Number two, taking an exam. And number one, being chased. Now, I want to talk about number two here because number two showed up on all of the lists that I I was looking at, uh, along with uh, number four, your teeth falling out. Now, some of us have had like a, a conglomeration of all of these happening at once. Needless to say, dreams can be very weird and very disorienting. But what I think is true about dreams, especially in, in the case of take this number two, taking an exam, is that we've got some issues when it comes to dreaming. And so one researcher's explanation for why we dream the way that we dream and what our dreams kind of mean or do in our life is that our dreams prepare us for upcoming challenges that we're facing in life. And so that does make some sense, except for teeth falling out. But one study done at a medical school where where students were taking entrance exams to get into the medical school uh, showed that there were a large number of those students who were experiencing nightmares before their exams. They were dreaming that they took the test. As they were taking the test, they forgot everything. This was the night before, and they performed miserably on it. Now, I think this one right here probably resonates with all of us. How many of you have showed up at school, you're in some class that you're like, I haven't been in this class for months. What's the homework assignment? What page are we on? How many of you had that? Okay. What's worse, you have a test to take and you don't know anything. You're like going through the, 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 the test and you're like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what to do. And it's that fear of failure. But here's what Here's what happens, and what's interesting is that 60% of those taking the exam had dreamed about it the night before. 78% of those reported having trouble with the exam in their dream, but still performed well on the test. So that's, that's curious. So those who had trouble in their dream taking the test performed well on it. So it's true with dreams in life in that they can be useful to prepare us for the challenges that we're facing in those situations, what we see in the life of Joseph, which we're about to get in here to today, uh, is that God uses dreams to prepare us for our destiny. Isn't that awesome? So if God has been whispering a dream to you, maybe you came here and you're beginning to, to dream again. Maybe you're a, a new believer and you didn't know that this new life, this new creation was possible and that it has new possibilities for your life. You're beginning to get a, a, a bigger view of why you were created and what God's plan for your life is. Those dreams are being birthed. Dreams are the or the seedbed that God begins to plant our destinies upon. So what happens is we're in this challenge. We're in this, 
We're in the season of seeing and wanting those dreams to come to pass, but we know that we're not there yet. We're not ready for it. And what stands between our dreams and our destiny is one word, and that one word is our character. Our character. And so uh, today I want to talk to you about the test of purity. And, and so as we're talking about these number, the number of tests, tests are, are for our good, for our proving and so what happens is that when we're given a dream, we're given a, a vision of what life can and should be, that God begins to prepare us for that. The dreams that Joseph dreamed when he was, uh, when he was shepherding sheep and bugging his brothers and telling them, hey, you're going to bow down to me someday. It's going to be great. You know, he lacked the maturity. He lacked the wisdom required to actually experience that reality. And so what's happening is that you and I are obtaining the skill set, the tools, the maturity in this time of testing so that we can inherit our destiny. So let's get to our scripture so that we can begin unpacking this. Um, we're in Genesis chapter 39, verse 7 through 12. This is in the old school, New King James Version, because I love the way it reads. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes. I want you to note that, longing eyes on Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. And he has committed all that he has to my hand. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor, he, nor has he kept back anything from me. But you, because you are his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Note that as well. That he did not, he, so it was that when he spoke, that as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. And this is how the enemy attacks. That she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. Note that as well. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the grace that is upon this house. We thank you, God, for the leadership of this house. We thank you, Father, for the, the, the dreams that are in this house. We thank you for the destinies that are in this house. And we just speak life to that today. We say yes and amen, just as you do, Jesus, to the good things in our life. And we pray that those things that don't belong, those things that would otherwise hinder us and steer us away from the destiny that you have for us, God, I pray that those things would be revealed. I pray that they would be brought to the surface today and dealt with in, in, in life-giving, fruitful, constructive ways, God, that, uh, that aren't just life for us, but life for those around us and, and, uh, and, and good for your kingdom. God, we love and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In those 11 years from 2008 to 2019, uh, I spent uh, day after day talking with individuals, really on uh, three levels of, of impact that uh, in my time at Covenant Eyes that I believe are universal. I believe that these are three areas that every single one of us will have to deal with the issue of, of purity, or rather, rather impurity will impact if we don't deal with it. And so I want to give you those three areas of impact. I'm going to give them to you right now. The first area is our faith. The second is our families. And the third is our future. Now, my time at Covenant Eyes, my conversations uh, with, with individuals a lot of times had to do with this issue of knowing what they should be doing, knowing how they should be living, but being hijacked by things going on in their life that were pulling them away from their faith, pulling them away from their families, and pulling them away from their future. 
you know, what happens here is that when we sin, when we take a course of life that we know is not designed for us, that we veer away from God, especially in the area of sexual sin, because we're not just sinning against other people. We're sinning against our own body. We're sinning against our own design. We're, dis- we're sinning against our own, uh, our own destiny. And so we're letting ourselves down in a major way when we give ourselves to sexual sin specifically. So this is why Joseph says this. How can I give in to this? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. Sin is really two things. One is sin is sin happens in two levels. One is it it happens in the level of our heart, iniquity. What iniquity is is that kind of like that soil in our hearts when left unchecked will produce um, outward sin which is called transgression or trespasses. So these are kind of the two levels of sin that we experience and, and so it begins in the heart and it's manifested in our hands and the things that we, we act out in. And that's a lot of times people will say that's where sin happens. Sin, sin happens when you act out on it. So it doesn't matter what I look at. It doesn't matter what influences I let in my heart. It's what comes out of me that matters. And I just got to say that that's not true. That's a lie. And the devil would want you to believe that what's in your heart doesn't matter. And what we mean by what's in your heart is just those, those desires, those things that are just wrestling around inside of you that you don't know where to go with and you don't know what to do. And so this morning, I just want to say, first of all, if you're dealing with those things in your heart, you're in the right place because the one thing that will solve the problem of those desires in your heart is being in a community of grace. And so Here's what happens. In, in Paul's charge to Timothy, his disciple, he's commissioned him, put him in a position to lead others. He knows that the devil's going to be waging war against him. He gives him this instruction, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. It is the reality of, of our dreams, of those things that, that are in our hearts. And if we keep moving in the direction of our dreams, we're going to experience the reality of that destiny. And what happens so, so often is that we, we get a picture of the dream but in route to the destiny, we're hijacked just like Joseph going about his business, doing, being faithful in his house, unaware that, that, that these challenges would come his way. Potiphar's wife begins, she's a predator, she's a cougar, she's after young Joseph now. And she's, going, she's, trying, to, she's, she's trying to make something happen there. Now, here's what's curious is that there are other men in the house as well. So Joseph is technically not alone. I want you to note that. It says that he, he goes to the house when, when no other men were in the house, which isn't smart. And I'm just going to throw that out there, that that's maybe our first lesson. Didn't show up with the, with the first service, but I'm going to say that's our first lesson. Don't go in the house where the cougar is if you're not going in with a battle buddy. You don't have somebody going there with you, okay? So moving on here. As he is experiencing these temptations, there are a few things that, that come onto the chopping block. When we talk about how impurity affects our faith, you can't talk about that without talking about how it affects the other relationships in our life, and that's our family. The people that God has put in our life and trusted to our care to both to, to be strengthened by, to be nourished by in a, in a family setting where you know, you're receiving instruction and you're, you're, you're giving yourself to the discipline of being in a good, godly home as a father, playing the role, being the man, doing, doing your part. 
that temptation comes in and tries to, tries to steer you away from that. And so can you imagine what would have happened if, if Joseph had given in, what that would have meant for his family back in, Egypt, back in Israel? They would have never been able to come into Egypt. In fact, they probably would have died in Israel. Israel wouldn't have happened. Jesus wouldn't have happened had he given in to the temptation to go ahead and, uh, and take, take Potiphar's wife up on the offer. We see this in the life of King David. His willingness to, to, to throw his family under the bus, you, and you see how the story plays out. He commits adultery with Bathsheba, has Uriah killed, and that unleashes hell in his family. You see that played out in, in his kids killing each other, and one of his kids going after, going after the throne. You see the, 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 what sin's wages are through what happens in his life. And I recall back, you know, just in my own personal life, how this sin specifically impacts families. I was sitting uh, 21 years ago opposite my mother in a Waffle House in Rolla, Missouri, and she's telling me about her plans to leave my father. And completely, like, I mean, I, I have, I'm completely shocked. They've been married for 32 years at this point. They never had any signs of ever having eyes for anyone else. We'd seen other marriages, you know, even in our church, you know, that we grew up in, uh, had, had you know, gone by the wayside. We had seen that happen, but I just said, never my parents. My parents are, one, like they're, they're two very boring people, so they could never actually have ex- an exciting life or try to go after something crazy like that. And so I expected them to grow old and boring together. Well, and, t- and so as my mom is telling me, she had met this other man at her workplace. And there are a couple of things we're going to get into here in a little bit that I want to kind of put on your radar because they're coming at all of us. This got her in a, in a season of life that was unexpected. Just like this temptation snuck up on, on Joseph through Potiphar's wife, he thought he was doing well. He was put in a, in a place of authority, a place of, of great privilege and responsibility. And here he sees all of that about to hit the fan at the hands of Potiphar's wife. See, my mom, as she began to allow herself to have conversations and let relationships into her life, let one specific relationship into her life, it began with just, you know, a good friend. Oh, yeah, he really listens. Here's the thing that I've come to understand about men is that men, you may think they're listening, but they're really just looking. And they'll tell you what you want to hear. Now, women, you sometimes hear more than is actually being said. That's the truth. In, this, in the case of my mom, she found herself in a relationship with a guy who was just paying attention, quote unquote. And in time, the guy just, he, he, he left her and it began to unravel in my family. Uh, great difficulty in my life. I wasn't able to continue college because my mom had, she, she had, together with my parents, had been there to help get me through college. And so I'm having to figure out a new plan. My brother and his wife, newly married kids, and, uh, and they're like looking at them thinking, my goodness. And we would always look to my parents and no matter how crazy the world around us is, we could always look to mom and dad and be like, hey, they're stable. Maybe boring, but they're stable. And so we're seeing hell unleashed in our home. This ha- the, and this continued for years. And, and so what happened, and, and maybe this resonates with you, maybe you've experienced this in your home or maybe in a parent, maybe you grew up in a home where you saw this. It's the same script, same lies that everyone believes. And it's so crazy that we continue to give ourselves to the script. 
Because it impacts not just, uh, not just our own faith, it doesn't just impact our family, but it impacts our ability to see the future God has for us. To give you, a, you know, kind of an illustration, when you're constructing a home or you're, you, maybe you're cleaning a home, you don't mop yourself into the corner. You start in the corner and you mop your way out. But what happens with adultery, and this is sin of every kind, is that you find yourself painted into a corner, mopped yourself into a corner, and that's the nature of sin. It will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. And it dims your ability to see the future and destiny that God has for your life. And so all that to say this is that what is most at stake in our life, what, what this issue, what this test is about, this test of purity, you know, what is being attacked here is actually the solution to the problem that when you and I tend to purity in our life, when you and I don't just try to be pure, but we train to be pure, we take necessary measures to make sure that the areas of our life that might be, might be attacked, might be vulnerable to Satan's schemes, that we are careful not just to try and tend to those on our own, but we also bring other people into that. And so I want to give you three ways to do that, three truths that will hopefully help you fall back in times of darkness, in times of, of desperation, maybe where you, you feel like, man, it, it just, the attacks just keep coming, just keep coming. Day after day, I keep hearing the nagging, hearing the nagging. That girl won't get out of my workplace. That man won't, get, won't stop talking to me. Those sites on my phone won't stop popping up. You know, I keep getting pinged for this and pinged for that. Emails keep showing up. I want to give you some tools that I think will be helpful as you navigate this and hopefully alleviate and bring the, the weight of shame because here's, here's the thing about the church is that the, the church has to become a safe place for a shame to come and die. For, for the, the, the dreams and the destinies that God has for us to, to have the proper, uh, the, the, the proper uh, direction and fuel and power, we have to be able to make church a safe place to, to get over these things and to do it with one another. And so the three things that I want to share with you have to do with, first of all, your design, three Ds. I'm going to give them to you. Your design, number two, your desires, and number three, your destiny, because ultimately that's where we want to go, but we can't get there until we go through these other three. So I want to share with you, first of all, the reason why we do this, just to give you guys a bit of a, a background, some of you are familiar with who Michael Phelps is. Um, how many of you know Michael Phelps, Olympia, world's greatest Olympian, most decorated Olympian of all time? Uh, it was in the 2008 Olympics that he swam his most famed race. It was the 200-meter butterfly. Uh, this race was, um, was a race that he was entering into knowing that he had it in the bag. He'd won the gold medal, set the world record in the previous Olympics, and now he was out to do it again. He said, I'm going to set the bar even higher this time. And so he didn't think it was going to be a problem. He thought he had it in the bag until he jumped in the water and he felt his goggles begin to fill with water. And if you're, if you're a swimmer and your goggles begin to fill with water, that's a problem. As he, as he begins swimming, he falls back on two things. One is training. He trained early on in his career. He was trained at the University of Michigan by his swim coach in a couple of ways. One was to play the course of the race through his mind. And so before all of his races, he would, pl he would play out stroke by stroke how many paces it was going to take to get to the wall and back, what he had to do in order to win the race. He had that already played out in his head. And so every, every swimmer has that, that mechanism, but his swim coach gave him this additional tool. 
as he was doing this at University of Michigan, the swim coach would shut off the lights. And he would begin, he would say, all right, now you do it in the dark. Because he knew in the event that this happened, that he lost his vision on a criti- in a critical moment like this, that he would have the tools, that he would be trained to win the race regardless of whether or not he could see. And so as he's swimming, the lights are out. He can't see anything. And stroke by stroke, he's played this out in his head. He knows what it's like to swim in the dark. He knows what it's like to swim and win. And so he does that. And so what we want to do when we are in critical situations where we feel like we're in the dark, where we feel like our back's against the wall, that we don't fall back on simply what feels good. We fall back on what we've been trained to do. And so a few areas, one is very important for us to understand, and this is part of your training, is know your design. No soldier is ever given a weapon without telling them exactly how that weapon works. Why is it that we're born into this world and we don't know our worth? We don't know our potential. We don't know the destiny that God has for our life. And it feels like most of us have to live a little and and experience a lot of hurt and a lot of anguish before these things begin to dawn on us. But the Bible is very clear. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created for a distinct purpose in mind. But before we get to that, I want to get very practical because there are things going on in your life. Your your life, your body is is a ticking clock. You will go through seasons of life and there will be things that you experience biologically that don't make sense to your brain, but this is simply how you were created. And when those experiences are left in the dark, it can be very hurtful and very dang because there are things that you need to work through and you need people who understand those things about your makeup, how you were created what, and how you were made. So biologically, we were created for pleasure. We were created uh, for procreation. We were created with this ticking time clock that goes from puberty to, you know, to, uh, uh, into our, the, the dawning time of life where we experience andropause, menopause, and we begin to see chemical changes happening in our bodies. And this is really what happened in my mom's life. She was at a season of life where those chemicals and hormones were at a level that she didn't know how to contend with. My dad didn't know how to contend with it. And many of you might, might be in that same situation right now. Men and women, both. I'm experiencing, you know, guys, you know, you're in your 40s, mid-40s, and you're like, man, I just have these feelings. And I'm like, the world's just kind of crushing in on me, and I, like, I'm really struggling. And, you know, and you're like falling back on classic rock, and you want your own man cave, and you don't want to let the mom in, because you, you, want, you want your space back. You want to be cool again, because uh, right now you're just a boring dad, right? It's a lie, You need to know your design. You need to know that these things are coming so they don't sneak up on you. Neurologically, guys, we're wired visually. Women, you're you're wired emotionally. So that guys, when when we see things, it doesn't take long for us to process them, even if we process them incorrectly. But when we see things visually, we automatically know what to do. And so it's important that you understand the gateway of your eyes. Women, be careful Be careful about the stories that you're listening to. Be careful about the narratives that you're leaning into, the emotional pull and drag of of people's stories because you will empathize and you'll be drawn into those stories and you'll find that it will circumvent, and this is the, the key thing, is that it will go around your higher order of thinking, your best judgment, your better judgment, both guys, what we see, we will process it incorrectly and we won't make the correct judgment. Women, you'll hear stories, you'll, hear, you'll be pulled in by emotion, you'll see those tears and you'll get pulled into it. And before you know it, you're down a path that you never, never thought was possible. We're wired socially, we need people in our life. 
That's part of our design. We were never meant to do life alone. We're wired spiritually, and this is really like the beauty of how God made us is that we were made for him. We were created for worship. We were created for the glory of God. We were created to know him and make him known. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, the beginning of 18, says this, flee from sexual immorality. And this is why, number 19, do you not know that you were, that, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So this is, what he's saying here is that your, your body Wherever you go, if the Holy Spirit is living inside of you, then the glory of God and the power of God is there ministering through you to the world around you. One, for your good so that you can experience the pleasure of God, so you can experience the delight of knowing Him and walking with Him, but also so that those around you can experience that as well. Going back to those three things that are impacted, our faith, our future, our, fam- our family, our future, these are the areas that are meant to to be built up in our life by recognizing that we are the place where God's glory and wonder and work is happening. And so when you begin to see your life, that your body doesn't belong to you, that your body belongs to him and that you were created and you were designed for a specific purpose and that purpose is for the glory of God, that you begin to unlock the pleasure of God in your life and, and also so other people around you will begin to experience the pleasure of God as well mainly your family, those that God has put in covenant relationships with you in your home, between you and your wife, the person who should enjoy you the most is your spouse. They should, they should see and experience from you the delight of God. And what that means is that, that you are rooted and grounded in a power source, a well that you're drinking from, that when you go to your wife, you're not trying to drink from their well, you're pouring into them. And that's just, and, and a good, healthy marriage will do the same back. And so that's why we don't live for one another. We live for the glory of God. We run together in the direction of God's plans for our lives together. And so knowing that we're wired socially, spiritually like this, that we can begin to see how we can actually begin moving those uh, and, and, and create healthy patterns in our lives for our for our, ourself and for our family that will help us understand our future more so the problem in, in this tying back to pornography and, and with any kind of lust it first deceives you it makes you think that you're going to get something uh, that is beyond your wildest dreams but here's the thing about pornography and about any giving yourself to any sexual temptation and sin is that it will feed appetites in you that can never be satisfied The problem with pornography isn't that it shows too much, but it shows too little. C.S. Lewis, some of you may know of C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, um, Chronicles of Narnia. uh, In his book, Mere Christianity, he says this, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Simply put, you were made for more. You were created to, to... experience more personally, but also be more to those around you collectively. Truth number two, as we talk about desires, when you remember your desires, so remember what it is that you're feeling inside of you. And the challenge with desires is getting them, getting them moving in the right direction, putting them in the right boxes, in the right categories, because the, the biggest issue with pornography and with all sexual immorality that we're dealing with today is that they are all disordered desires. The desire is good, but the object of fulfillment is wrong. 
And so we need to come, we need to figure out what is the healthy place for these desires to be lived out and carried out. And so we know that this, the safest place that those desires, the desires that we were created for, especially sexually, are to be, are to be cared for in covenant relationship with our spouses. And if you're a young person and you're struggling in this area, you're feeling all of this and you're by yourself and you're like, man, I don't know how to make this happen, make it work. You need to pretend, first of all, that you will know that your body does not belong to you, first belongs to God. And that way, when you enter into marriage, you're giving, the, you're giving this person a gift from God. You're not giving them yourself, which should take care of the issue of any kind of inappropriate relationships that you might be having before you're married. And if you've been in an inappropriate relationship or you, you've crossed those boundaries, the, here's the good news is that you're never too far gone to come back from that. And the key to it is understanding those desires and, and moving. And this is part of the testing. And so let's just all be honest right now. Testing is very difficult. Testing involves a lot of failure. Testing involves a lot of like, man, I thought I had this one. I thought I had it figured out. But here's the thing about testing. In order to get to the destination or the destiny that those tests are set up for, you're going to have to fail quite a bit. You know, working for a software company in development, there's a philosophy in development, software development. Uh, it's called agile development, and that means that you fail early and you fail often. And so parents, if, if you, it's your as you're uh, leading your children, you're helping them grow and understand the world around them, understand that the more conversations that you have with them early on, the more they fail, the more, and, and the more you're just like, that's okay, get back up. It's like training wheels. And that's, that's really what, you know, as, you're, as you're helping, um, you know, use a tool like Covenant Eyes, those training wheels are there. They're not, you know, you can, if a kid wants to wreck the bike, he's going to wreck it. But the training wheels are there to help get the balance, help to get the, the orientation. And one thing that I know is true about, about those pathways, the things that we, that we do online, is that a lot of the things that we get into are really because we're led down those paths. When you stick to the paths that you know, you, you continue to walk down paths that are, that are well-worn, that, that, uh, that, you, that, you that you can predict, you're not going to be getting pop-ups and things like that that happen in your life. What's true online is also true in our brain. Okay. As, as you and I, and this kind of touching back on design, we were designed neurologically. Uh, we have neural pathways in our brains that when we feed them and we go down those paths, you know, we, will always, we will always move in the direction of the, of the objects we desire most. And so as we feed those appetites, what happens is we kind of become what we behold. And so when we feed good desires with good objects, you know, uh, coming into, you know, when, when you feel something come up to me and say, you know, I... God has a plan for my life, and I know steering outside of this is not it. I tell this with my kids all the time. God has a plan for your life, and that's not it. And they, when they're blowing it, they're falling. And I'm like, God has a plan for you, but that's not it. And you can tell yourself that. God has a plan for my life, and that's not it. Understanding your desires and understanding the window of your desires starts with your eyes those things that you're drawn to, you, you become what you behold. And so I want to go through a couple, couple passages here. Touching on that, Psalm chapter 103, 101 verse 3 says this, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. Another version puts it like this, I will not set my eyes on any worthless thing. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 20, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. Matthew chapter 6 verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
And then my favorite, Job chapter 31, verse 1 says, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. This is what covenant eyes was, was founded on. And when you understand the covenant nature with your own body, you can make a covenant with your own body, that your body belongs to the Lord, that whatever you're suffering through, you know that he's going to, he's, he's, if there's a desire in you that is urging you to do something, you're, you have the capability of putting on the e-brakes or moving in the direction of, a, of an appropriate desire. And so moving towards that goal, moving towards what God's best is for our life. I love what, what the psalmist says in Psalm 1611, you made known to me the path of life and your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, because that's when we, when we get a vision and a view of what, God's, what God has for our life, we know that he's leading us in paths of life Then we can stick to those and we can tend to those. And we know that at the end of that are going to be the desire of our heart. So truth number three, I want to give you, we're going we're gonna to wind it down here. If we can have our musicians, go ahead and come on up. Remember your destiny. And how do we, how do we deal with, how do we deal with, you know, the desires that are coming at us, temptations that are coming at us, especially in the case of, of, of Joseph and Potiphar, Potiphar's wife. And, you know, what's, what I love about that, it gives us the key there. What, what did Potiphar do? Potiphar ran. I mean, Joseph ran. And he, he ran, but you know what happened? And sometimes this does happen because when we get too close to something that, that harms us, and no doubt Joseph was probably a little bit too close to Potiphar's wife. If she grabbed his garment, that's probably because he was a little bit too close, too close to the fire there. You know, some of us, we're gonna experience, and, and some of you have that, that as you pull away the, the grief that comes from being found out. And it should hurt because it's either now or later. And so I just want to encourage you, if, you, if this is an area of your life that you need healing and you need, you need help, the pain on this side of the, of the problem is much less than the pain on the other side of it. That God has, you know, what, what festers in the dark must be brought to light and be dealt with. And, and the key is this, you find it in, in 2 Timothy 2.22. You can remember this, 2 Timothy 2.22. And I, and I love it because it gives us the key. And I think that this is what reminds us that the church really is the answer to the problems that we face. Relationships are the answer to the problems that we face. Purity is the answer to the problems that we face. And so what opens us up in a vast, wide open future is first of all, fleeing youthful lust. We can go ahead and bring it up here. Flee evil desires of youth. I don't know how, like... I just know I need to run from this. I know I need to get away from it because I can't afford it. You know that you, you're, you're, you've come into contact with something that is about to cost you dearly. You run. And how do we run from something? We, we run from something by running to something else. How do you forget about it? You have to have a bigger vision. And, and how do we run to something? Well, in the case of breaking away from something that's very difficult, very hard, you run with people. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Cultivate these good and godly desires in your life. Cultivate faith. You know, if you've, not, if you've, you've been born again, you've been baptized, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Build yourself up in this area. Grow in the, in the grace of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Like, oh, my sin has grieved the Holy Spirit. I think you're giving yourself too much credit here. 
The Holy Spirit is a lot more resilient than you think. And He's a lot more pursuant than you think. And when you take time to step away, you feel the weight and shame. Know that the, the church really is a great place for shame and sin to come and die. As is the cross, and the cross always will be. We cannot out the cross, okay? Let your shame come and die there. But also look around and, and find champions of grace. And I love how honest and candid Pastor Ben is about, about using covenant eyes. You know, my story with Melissa is that I started using covenant eyes two weeks before we got married. And the backstory on that is I went, I, from the time I was saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, I went probably five or six years with ever, like not even being tempted to look at pornography. I was living off campus for three months with high-speed internet in my, in my apartment, living by myself, okay, another no-no, before I was ever tempted to look at pornography. And then it hit, and I felt the devastating blow of what that does to somebody who is set apart for something greater. All of a sudden, all of the vision, all the dreams, all the, the destiny that God had for my life felt extremely frail, extremely vulnerable. And it took good, godly people to come into my life, walk with me. I'm, I'm grateful for my campus pastor during that time. Ron Bradley, amazing man of God, helped walk me through that. I was using X3 watch, right? It's the covenant eyes knockoff. Who would know that a year later, I would be brought to a company, begin using a software, it, 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 right as I'm about to get married, walking into a covenant relationship, having taken care of that issue in my life. Yeah. I wish I could say that that was the last time that I was ever tempted. You know, when you're in the pit like that and you're, you're, you're walking in that ministry, I mean, the, the heat of temptation is, is like, we're not exempt from it. And so I'm having to find more people to walk with and more people to get in my life. And so as, you, as I began doing that, I found myself growing stronger and stronger and stronger. And the only way forward is to continue to fall back on realizing my, who God created me to be, what my design is being real about those desires and making sure that they are in a rightful, good place and, and really enjoying the goodness of God, enjoying the plans God has for my life. And, and as we do that, you know, understanding, I love this verse, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. The Greek word is poema. It means we're the poem. We're the rhyme and reason of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. So if you're here this morning, and, and I just want to say, Pastor Ben and Jess, their, you know, their leadership here in the, in the preparation, God often will, will put the pastor through the test first so that he can give everyone else the gift of going second. I mean, it's just how it is. It took me a long time to become a lead pastor. I'm still like, what am I doing? God, are you sure you picked the right person for this? And, but God, and you're probably thinking the same thing. God's given you a dream and you, you look at your past and you look at the, at the challenge that you're dealing with right now in the present and you think, God, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know if I can do it. And the, here's the key is that you can't do it on your own. You need help from heaven and you need help from those around you to make that happen. And so I would just ask you to stand at this time and I would honestly, if there has been anything, okay, purity is one thing. You know, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. And that's the key. That, and that is the person who's turned to God and turned away from sin, turned away from self and turned to God. There's a radiance about them. There is a, a, a beauty and a glory and a power about them. That was how we were created to live. 
the great church father, Augustine, talks extensively about, about this turning. When God, when I'm turned to you, everything is right, everything is good, and I, I see your glory, and people see the glory in my life, and the pleasure that I was created for is satisfied here in this place. And, and just with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you, there's something else that has been in the place of God's best for your life, you've been pursuing maybe a, a desire that has gotten in the way of your dream. If that's you today, I would ask you just to slip up a hand and say, there's something, I need to get this out of my life. And next, I, I just wanna call, I wanna call our men forward because I believe that this is, you know, as we lead men, and, if, and I would be the first to be down here with this, but I wanna call our men forward because we really, this rises and falls on us because we are leading in our homes, leading in our workplaces, leading in places of influence, and, and the enemy wants nothing more than to take you out. And you need purity, you need protection. If you need help, get covenant eyes, get, get counseling. There's great resources for that. You can, talk, you can reach out to Pastor Ben, but I want, I want guys, hey, if you need greater strength, greater, you need breakthrough in this area. You have a dream that God has put in your heart you wanna see fulfilled, but there's something in the way of that. I wanna ask you to go ahead and come on down here and just put some feet to your faith. The, the miracle really is on the other side of movement. I would just ask you guys to come on down. Come on down just as, as, a, as a declaration that I'm not gonna stay where I'm at. I'm gonna move in the direction of God's desire, his destiny for my life. And thank you, Father. Oh God, we praise you. We sing and worship. Um, guys, I would I would just say this much too, that if if there's anything that needs to be confessed, anything that needs to get out, that's how that's what takes the shame and the weight away from our sin and allows it to be dealt with. That you get right with your wife, get right with your, get right with Pastor Ben, get right with maybe somebody here in church. Your, your, your employer, whoever that is, your son, your daughter, you've blown it. Let's just with hands raised just say, I surrender and I'm, God, I'm sorry. Start with me. God, change me. Make me what I ought to be. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for how you're working, how you're moving, Lord. We pray that you would begin to awaken, Father, the right places for those desires to now uh, be made manifest, be made real, be made whole. God, I pray for any of the uh, any of the darkness, any of the shade that, that might be on our lives, Lord, to now be, to be canceled, to be, to be brought into to light. Oh God, bring healing in Jesus' name, amen. I don't have any illusion that one message will transform everything in regards to purity in our lives for men or for women. But this is a step in the right direction. And I'm so glad that we had this opportunity to wrestle with some of these ideas. Um, men and women alike, uh, we need to strive for purity, period. And when we struggle, I want you to hear what Pastor Ben McBride said. It starts with confession. Confess your sins one to another forgiveness, there's grace, and um, you've got to find someone that you can trust, uh, and you need to confess to your spouse in both directions, and it'll make your marriage stronger, <laughs> no question. If you're single, find someone, 
anyone on staff here, we can, we can be that sounding board. It's so important. And then I want you to know that uh, here at the Gateway Church, we believe in this. We live in this. We've used Covenant Eyes ever since we moved here. I actually started using Covenant Eyes in the early 2000s. And uh, back then, it was kind of a shame thing, and I didn't tell a lot of people, but I tell people now, I use it because I need it. And we still need it. Our family, we use it. We, we encourage you, and we have offered at different times, and, and we would offer again, uh, really, anytime I, I sit down with someone face-to-face uh, -face on this topic, and we, we offer that we will pay for your Covenant Eyes subscription that's how important it is. And, uh, and so you just connect with us, talk with us. And then oftentimes the issues for men and for women uh, are deeper than just a, uh, a surface conversation. And uh, we support two different mission, uh, mission through missions dollars, uh, two counseling centers that we can help connect you with. And we want to be a blessing in that way. And just, you know, we want you to know that there's tools here and uh, that we, you're not alone. And there's grace. When we fall, we get back up again. And we know there's, there's hope. And God is with us. I want to pray for us today. And, uh, and then just to understand that this is just scratching the surface. After second service, Pastor Ben and I were talking with uh, someone. They're saying, man, you could do a whole series on this. And, and she was right. And, uh, and maybe at some point we'll do that. But let, let me pray. Lord, I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would do a powerful work in our hearts, in our lives, in our families. And Lord, I pray that we would be bold enough to keep this idea of purity in the light because we know in darkness and in, in the in the shadows is where sin runs rampant and destroys but lord help us to be shining our light and lord i pray that you would help us with our eyes men and women alike and lord i just pray that that you would give us victory God, we give you the praise and the glory for it in advance. But Lord, knowing that there's probably a, a next step for everyone here, another step we need to take. And God, I pray for the courage to take that, to make the connection with covenant eyes or uh, something like that, to get into some counseling, to confess our sin one to another. God, I pray for that next step boldness. And Lord, I thank you for the heart of those that are here that say, God, we want to be pure. And Lord, I pray that you would help us in that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And Lord, now I pray as we go, you go before us, behind us, and all around us, like I typically pray, especially in this area, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.